What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. My guest today is Anorak. Anorak is an investor, user, and all-around believer in the metaverse. Although Anorak's passion is mainly focused on the Decentraland metaverse, he supports the entire NFT ecosystem and is an especially big fan of the game Axie Infinity. We discuss everything from virtual casinos and museums to even token economics and the social nature of NFTs. What I loved about our conversation is that Anorak is a true NFT and metaverse diehard. This is not simply a hobby for him, but a passion that he looks forward to every day. Be sure to keep watching Anorak because he's making moves and will continue to be a force for good in the metaverse. Please enjoy my conversation with Anorak. Anorak, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to chat with you. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me, Andrew. Uh, this has been a podcast that I've listened to and admired for quite some time. Uh, so it was pretty exciting to get the invite. So just to go into my background, uh, I'll keep it crypto and NFT related. I'm mainly involved in Decentraland, which is a uh, metaverse platform based on the Ethereum blockchain. So what I do in Decentraland, I'm not a team member or anything like that. I'm a, an individual investor, um, a, a user and everything like that. Uh, what my background is in this space is I've been hosting a lot of events in Decentraland and um, I've been really trying to onboard as many users as possible. I do that with Decentraland and also Axie Infinity, which is another NFT project that I'm very, not very heavily invested in, but just more so my time. Uh, it's a game that I uh, am somewhat addicted to at this point. It's the only video game, I guess you would say, that I play these days. Yeah, so my background with NFTs and everything, uh, I'm not a uh, big whale investor or anything. I'm not a official team member of any one project. I'm just someone who enjoys the space, um, especially with the coronavirus stuff. I have a lot of free time on my hands, so I've been really using that free time to really pay more attention to these projects and try and get as many new users on board as possible. One, because obviously if I have purchased items in the game, you know, it, it'll help me grow and help my NFT items appreciate value, but also just because I believe in the platforms that I push. I'm not out here shilling anything that I don't believe in. Uh, everything that I tweet about or talk about with users via DMs and Discord and stuff is, it's all stuff that I believe in. I'm not going to be out here pushing uh, fake stuff or things that I think are going to fail and I'm trying to get out of onto anyone. So. I guess just uh, I'm someone who is very enthusiastic about this space and I'm someone who is really trying to get everyone else enthusiastic about it as well. So and I definitely want to dive deeper into Axies and DCL later on. But first, I want to ask you about like cryptocurrency in general. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Mana, etc.? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to um, touch on this stuff without getting too into the uh, tech side of things, which I am by no means a tech wizard. I'm not fluent in that language whatsoever. But I do think that it's it, the use cases are here, right? I mean, we all thought that this was going to be something that was five to 10 years down the line. But with uh, COVID and, and all this stuff, I mean, a cashless society is, is here. We're staring down the barrel of it. 
you go through places like Dunkin' Donuts or Home Depot and places like that around me that are still deemed essential, whether or not you believe they are. And they're stating that they're not accepting cash payments. You know, going on with this, you look around the world right now with mass inflation and everything like that. And I mean, right now is the time where cryptocurrencies were meant to thrive and everything is just getting thrust forward. I do think that there needs to be some sort of tech advances to Bitcoin and Ethereum to speed up the transactions. Uh, I think we're seeing that right now with Ethereum where everything is kind of backlogged and kind of clogged up based off the um, that PAX uh, pyramid scheme or whatever that's clogging up the network right now. But um, I, I think that there needs to be something to help onboard new users or I, I guess um, new buyers and, and sellers of Bitcoin and Ethereum, but we need to figure out a way to like speed up the transactions and everything like that. Because right now, I don't think that these cryptocurrencies can handle daily peer-to-peer transactions. So I, I, I'll leave that up to someone that's more smarter than I am on this stuff and more well-versed. But I think that the use cases for cryptocurrencies are here. And now we have to figure out a way to really make them perfect for people to start using. Yeah, it's super interesting that we were already kind of heading, like human society was already kind of heading towards a world that was cashless and all digital payments and whatnot. But I think that coronavirus, that really accelerated that because, you know, one, cash is kind of dirty. And also because people realize, oh, it's so easy to send digital payments here and there. And obviously crypto is on the forefront of that. And also when you look at the NFT side of things, people are, I'd say the vast majority of, if not everyone is working from home, you know, using Zoom and using all sorts of online communication applications. And that that's, it kind of shows with the NFTs, it shows that metaverses like these DCL, crypto voxels, like those are the perfect use cases for that. Because not only are you, you can work with people inside these virtual worlds, but also it's kind of a, a social gathering place. So I think like coronavirus really kind of accelerated the timeline of a lot of these technologies to to come to not the mainstream, but like be accelerated by five years time to then go in the mainstream and much sooner than, than it would have. So did you first get involved with cryptocurrencies or NFTs? What was kind of your first kind of foray into the blockchain space? Cryptocurrencies for sure. Uh, I got involved in Bitcoin in 2017, like a lot of other people did. It was the summer of 2017. I think Bitcoin was around like $4,000 at the time. And um, my college roommate and still one of my best friends today, his younger brother was actually mining NEO at the time, um, which has somewhat become outdated these days. But so he was mining NEO at the time, and I was just sitting at a bar having a drink with him and his brother. And uh, they were telling me about this stuff and I didn't understand it, but I knew that they did and that was enough for me. So I bought in and and then, um, you know, I, I discovered NFTs through that. I discovered NFTs through looking at different altcoins to swing trade on uh, the exchange I use called Bittrex. And I stumbled across Mana just kind of by accident. It was one of the top earners on the Bittrex homepage at the time. And I was I, I was someone who was always looking for a use case with these cryptocurrencies. You know, I, I was dumb enough to think that I was going to get rich quick, but I was smart enough to know not to buy anything that had no real use behind it. So when I discovered Mana um, and I started looking into what it was used for and I found this, um, you know, this virtual world and everything like that, that's really what opened my eyes to NFTs. So I got into MANA in December of 2017, right before the first land auction. 
and I just kind of sat and observed from the sidelines. I didn't buy any land because as someone who bought their first cryptocurrencies in August of 2017, making the jump to buy virtual land in December or January of the next year right there is, is a pretty big leap. You know, I was still trying to wrap my head around everything. And although I was getting an understanding of cryptocurrencies, I still really didn't have a full grasp on on NFTs. But I guess the uh, the bridge is pretty easy to make once you can understand the use of crypto. You can understand the use of trading NFTs and the value they bring uh, to the cryptocurrency space. I love your focus on finding a cryptocurrency that has a real use case because there's you know like 99% of the cryptos out there today they they're kind of these like fake use cases. They don't actually serve that much of a purpose. Or if it if they do, it's kind of the team just created it out of thin air. It's like oh well you now need this token to do this function. It's like, well, why do we, why do we need that? Yeah, exactly. like, oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. But with DCL, with Mana, it's like, okay, actually, this is the in-game currency for this world. And so right away, you're like, okay, like that, that makes sense because a lot of games have their own currencies. So I completely understand that. So you mentioned that you were sitting on the sidelines for a bit because you, you didn't jump in straight away. What was that turning point? What made you decide, hey, you know what? I actually am now a big believer in this. I want to start buying some land and start to get involved. Uh, I guess it was once I saw that the land was appreciating in value and it was still drawing new people to the space after the first land sale. Uh, I'm, I'm someone who traditionally doesn't get involved in, in pre-sales or IPOs in the stock market or in crypto's case, ICOs. I understand that there's a big advantage to being a first mover in the space, but there's also a pretty big disadvantage in, in the sense that, you know, this product, whether it's a, a cryptocurrency or a company on the stock exchange, it's still in the very early stages and you might be buying into something that could quickly change. And I think that that's all part of the process with the company where they might have an idea when they launch, but they might quickly figure out that that idea is not going to work based off what the marketplace is telling them. So I sat on the sidelines and, and I kind of watched and waited and I didn't end up buying land until I think about six months after the first land sale, the first land auction. Uh, once I started seeing new people come into the space is when I decided to make the move as well. But I was always paying attention to everything. Uh, I was always paying attention to the market. I was always paying attention to the Discord. And I was just kind of waiting for the right time to strike. And once Decentraland announced that they were moving away from some of the core principles of what it was supposed to be meant for, which was uh, virtual reality, which by the way is still on the roadmap, it just got pushed back for numerous different reasons. One of which being that VR isn't nearly as adopted right now in the general public as maybe a lot of these companies thought it was gonna be. But once the Decentraland made a few announcements that really uh, irked or pissed off a few people, land prices started to depreciate. But for me, as someone who understands that VR you know, isn't really essential at this point in time, I figured that it was the right point to buy into some land. Uh, once a lot of these people started to get out, uh, I decided to get in. So I guess uh, just waiting for the right buy-in price was what really, what was the catalyst for me to move into the space. That's really impressive. It's really cool that you did your research and you had enough you know, conviction to say, hey, you know what? VR is not widely adopted today, so it does make sense for them to push that back in the timeline. But I am still really bullish on this project as a whole because for a multitude of reasons, and eventually they're going to be adding VR support. So I'm going to go in while people are exiting. That's really cool. But also, I want to know what what is your general take on, on NFTs today? I, I know that's like a very broad question, but 
just kind of where do you where do you see the space today or where do you see it evolving? Well, I think NFTs are serving their purpose for today where they're kind of a, uh, a method of communication between all these different products. And by that, I mean, we all log on on a daily basis to buy and trade these NFTs. Uh, without this stuff, I mean, these projects are still fantastic, but if you don't have anything within the space, I mean, what is the incentive to get involved in something right now if there's nothing that can be bought and sold? Uh, I also think that NFTs are playing a very important role in onboarding new users that aren't necessarily from the investors class. And what I mean by that is you can still be drawn to the cryptocurrency space if you're a gamer, if you're not necessarily trying to involve or um, invest in cryptocurrencies themselves. So for someone on Wall Street that wants to deposit, let's just say $10,000 in Bitcoin, well, a lot of people don't have that. And when they look at cryptocurrencies, you know, they might be scared because of the boom and bust of 2017, or they just might think that they don't have enough money to make a difference. Whereas NFTs, you look at a game like Axie Infinity, I can start playing Axie Infinity for less than $10 tomorrow. Uh, all you need are three of these Axie Infinity characters, which are NFTs, and you can take them into the arena and start playing the game. And for every time you win one of these matchups in the game, you get paid out. I mean, it's not much. It's, it's You get paid out in their in-world currency called SLPs, which are small love potions uh, used to breed these different characters. But, you know, that's a whole nother rabbit hole how that stuff works. But uh, the point being is that the NFTs are providing people a different channel to get invested into crypto projects because the, the axes are such a, a low price to get to move into stuff like Gods Unchained, uh, Decentraland, you can buy these wearables for your avatars and you can get introduced to a whole new project through these NFTs. I think that's the value they're serving now. I think moving forward, I, I, it's tough to say, I think we're gonna have a, a pretty big rush into the marketplace where people are just trying to sell NFTs um, that don't really have a use purpose, similar to the ICO stuff. But I think right now NFTs are serving their purpose in onboarding new users. Uh, I, I, th I think it's important that we have this alternative investment uh, uh, investment vehicle for people who just want a game and people who aren't necessarily uh, looking to monitor price charts of different cryptocurrencies on a daily basis. Yeah, you hit upon a ton of really good points there. One of them being that the NFT space is so much more approachable than like the, the traditional crypto space because you know in traditional crypto, the objective is to just make money, essentially, that you're not trying to play a game, you're not trying to socialize with people, really, it's kind of, you're trying to trade this asset and turn it into more money, right? So that's fine, but it's not very, yeah, just not very approachable. And then when you look at NFTs, there's so many different things that you can do. You can go to DCL, you can socialize with your friends in that world and build, you know, a house, or you can go play with your axes and go battle them and, you know, breed them and make new axes. And crypto art is another really great use case. There's kind of a ton of different use cases for everyone. And I think that that's, that's great because it brings down that barrier to entry to, uh, like to the masses, essentially. Yeah, it's just easier to wrap your head around, too. I mean, it, it's so much easier where if I'm playing Call of Duty and I'm someone who plays Call of Duty every single day for hours a day, and you approach them and you say, hey, 
what if I told you where there's a game where you can grind all day, unlock this gun or unlock this skin or this perk, and there's only a thousand of them available. And once you get that, you can buy it and sell it. Like you can sell it on the marketplace for actual money. I mean, I know Call of Duty has certain stuff like that. And there's games where, you know, you grind for all this stuff and, and you end up unlocking something. But then what do you do with it? You exchange it for more coins uh, of this in-world game, but you can never, um, you know, turn it into fiat. You can never withdraw it. It just has to stay as uh, game credits. So I think NFTs provide uh, something that's just easier to understand for people in general and and uh, more so than the entire blockchain and, and Bitcoin market. Absolutely. I like to always use the analogy that if you pour water down the hill, it's just going to take the easiest path down that hill. And teaching people about money and you know this new financial system and all that stuff is kind of difficult. But if you show someone a fun game, they're going to gravitate towards that. So it's kind of like that the easiest path generally wins. So... All right, so tell me a little bit about Axies. I know that you're pretty involved in that world, and I'd love to hear just kind of what is Axies and tell me why you got attracted to it. Uh, so Axie is um, it's an NFT game where you battle like these, I guess, Pokemon-type players, um, these cards. Uh, it, it's essentially a card game where your characters come to life. Um, they kind of float in the middle of the stage there, uh, in this battle arena, and each one of these cards or these characters have different powers and defenses and critical strikes and all these things that make it uh, a very strategic game. Uh, eventually, Axie, they've had a land sale as well, which um, I think was just the hot thing at the time. Everyone was having land sales. Um, but they plan to have their own open world type game. Uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to call it a metaverse, but I guess it falls in that category. Um, but there's going to be an open world type game where you can kind of like walk around with your axes around you and, and battle people and collect axes just kind of uh, like you would in some sort of a Pokemon game, except in this you can see and interact with other players who are also walking around. It's a game where a chance is involved as much as skill, which I think keeps me coming back a lot. Uh, and the community of Ac in Axie is also phenomenal. Um, there's different tournaments every other weekend that are hosted. Uh, Axie has a two-week-long season where players battle for the top-ranked position, and they do um, a passive investment model where they hand out Dai and uh, Kyber coins to the people who place in the uh, in the top 50. Um, so these companies are staking their coins, and then they're obviously using the um, the return to invest into Axie. So that's what I mean by the uh, the passive investment model. And uh, but it's just another NFT game that I've become pretty addicted to. Uh, it has uh, it's only in its alpha stage right now, which is even more impressive. Uh, it has a mobile version, so you can play it wherever you go. You don't have to be sitting at a laptop or a desktop, which is phenomenal. Um, but it's just uh, it's just another NFT project that I'm very uh, invested in, both financially and just also with my time. That's awesome. So you mentioned the small love potions, which is kind of like the, I guess, the in-game currency of Axies. What I find really cool about their kind of model that they used is that with stuff like mana in DCL or, you know, color in CryptoVoxels or cubes in Insomnium Space, those are all like in-game currencies and it, they're meant to just be currencies. What, what's really cool about SLP is that it's actually, it has some sort of functional use. So this like quote unquote currency 
is actually an item that you use to breed more axes. So I really like the aspect of like adding in functionality into like a currency. I think that's really, really innovative and cool. Right. Yeah. The main functionality with something like mana is um, like the voting power that it holds, which will only really take place once the DAO is released. Uh, right now it's used to trade uh, or buy land and the wearables with, but I mean, if I know the seller that's selling it, I can do an off-market deal and I can pay with ETH, I can pay with Bitcoin, I can pay with whatever. I don't have to use mana. With the SLPs, you have to use the SLPs. I can't breed an Axie and create a new one out of thin air with uh, using only ETH. It has to be the SLPs. Uh, and that's also the uh, supply and demand factor taking place where if no one's playing the game and no one's earning or mining, however you, you want to look at it, these SLPs, then there's no new axes being produced and put on the marketplace. But if everyone's grinding, everyone's playing and earning SLPs, then they're also increasing the supply of these axes for the uh, new players that are coming into the space. Yeah, I find that fascinating and, and really cool. I, I think we're going to see more really innovative models and use cases for these like, currencies for these NFT projects. But I love that, that they're kind of taking that the step in the, that direction. So everyone listening probably knows what DCL is or what Decentraland is, but I just love to hear from you. What is Decentraland? <laughs> it's such a complicated question, right? Because it's everyone kind of has their own perspective as to what this, uh, this virtual world really is. Um, I think the most common misconception that I hear is that it's a game or it's a service, and it's so much more than that. I mean, just for the basic definition, it's a virtual platform powered by the Ethereum blockchain. You know, it's a world that's owned and built and operated by its users, but it's not just a game. It's not just a service. Uh, it's a platform for users and, and landowners and developers to create anything that they want on it. Uh, anything from a storefront to sell real-world goods, uh, just like online shopping, you scroll through a web, a web browser, you know, the alternative is you put up a store and you actually have the items in world that people can walk through a storefront and look at. You can create your own uh, games there, your own video games, like we see MetaZone doing, and we see people like Talk Sam from Polygon Polygonal Minds doing. Uh, you can even create your own classrooms for educational services, which is personally what drew me to the space back in 2017. I was very high on the potentials for online, uh, online schooling and homeschooling, and that was based off what was happening in the United States with there was, as somber as it is to bring up, there is a lot of school shootings going on in 2017, uh, especially where I was at in Florida for the Parkland shooting. I was, you know, living 20 minutes away from there, and I just kind of saw the use case for online schooling starting to pop up and people starting to shift their uh, their thinking towards uh, sending their, their kids to online school rather than putting them into an actual classroom around all these different people. And, you know, fast forward to COVID and coronavirus, and that threat is even more real now. So the educational services is what really drew me to the space. Uh, you know, we get into some of the more uh, nefarious, uh, fun, I guess, <laughs> con brain candy content of strip clubs and casinos. And then you can put up your own art gallery. You can make a museum. Uh, the, the opportunities are endless for what you can build in there as long as you have the skills and the, the funding to do so. They can 
it's pretty much uh, just up to your own imagination. That's the only limit right now. I understand that Decentraland's not virtual reality, but as I stated earlier, it's it's still on the roadmap. I think by the end of 2021, it'll probably probably be fully uh, VR. That's my hope. Um, but until then, I would just uh, say that Decentraland is a platform where you can build and experience anything that you want to. It's an alternative to reality. It's an escape from reality. And also it's just a way to interact with your friends in a different manner. It's not confined to the social distancing that we're seeing. Uh, we pack our last event, we hosted a, and by we, I mean um, Decentraland, not Decentral, uh, DCL Core, but Toon Punk uh, of the Decentraland team hosted a uh, acoustic concert, a live concert that was hosted in Decentraland. And we had over 110 people come out for the concert. So it's something that is, isn't confined to what we're seeing in the real world right now. It's somewhere where you can build relationships with people, you can chat with them on a daily basis, and you can experience the same stuff that you experience in real life, just, you know, without the, the travel hassle and all of the crazy expenses, and now without any of the health risks that we're experiencing now. You're absolutely correct. You hit the nail on the head there when, you know, I ask what appears to be just like a simple question, like, what is DCL? It's so interesting because everyone has a different answer because these things are next generation platforms. Like they're not, they don't fit nicely into this bucket. It's like they're these new social media slash gaming slash, you know, e-commerce platforms and it's a whole amalgamation of stuff. So that's why I love asking those types of questions. But I want to touch upon Mana because you said before that Mana is going to be, used, right now Mana is the in-game currency, but it's also used to govern the platform. Can you tell me more about that? That sounds really interesting. Yeah, so the whole basis of Decentraland is to have this decentralized platform that can't be single-handedly run by one company or one investor or one server. Already Decentraland has shifted the actual server for the in-worlds from centralized to decentralized. And what I mean by that is that the actual world itself is being run and hosted on a network of different nodes that are hosted by these people who have been deemed pillars of the community around the world. Uh, there's nodes for every region, pretty much every different continent around the world, and they can't be shut down by, by one person, which is the whole appeal to Decentraland, is that there's not one entity that is controlling what is happening in world. You know, if one of these nodes gets shut down, another one just pops up in its place. So going back to what mana is, mana right now is just used to buy and sell land and buy and sell wearables um, and names, which every time you claim a name for Decentraland, that in itself is an NFT that can be bought and sold. So you see people claiming the names like Trump and Hillary Clinton and LeBron James. So if you see one of those names in there, that's not necessarily those people that are in world. It just means that someone claimed those names in the hopes of selling it. So MANA's sole use purpose eventually is going to be the voting power. That's gonna be how stuff is voted in world via the DAO. Uh, the DAO is still being worked on right now by the team. I understand that they're totally remaking everything that is uh, that we've become accustomed to in real world. They're trying to decentralize something and it's not an easy task to do. So the DAO is still in the works, but MANA is going to have to be wrapped to vote on it. Um, I'm not sure how many weeks in advance 
but it's going to have to be wrapped in order to be used in a vote, which, you know, is essentially going to drive the price of mana up. Right now it's at four cents, I believe, three cents hovering right around there. So I guess just it, the ERC-20 token of mana is going to be used to dictate the future of the Decentraland platform. Uh, a lot of people have their concerns and such over it. Uh, if a, a whale comes in and scoops up mana right before a vote and this and that, which obviously that's a, a very serious risk, but it's up to the community, the core members like myself, to ensure that we're all kind of voting towards the common goal when we do. I think that for a vote to pass, there has to be at least 15% of the total mana value in place. Um, it's tough to keep up with a lot of this stuff uh, via the Discord, but... Um, but yeah, it, it's mana's future use purpose is going to be so much more interesting than what it's used for right now. I think we'll probably really see the value of mana increase here within the next, I'd say, maybe six months. But it's uh, it's just another one of those things that's so hard to say exactly what's going to end up happening in the future. I really love the idea of kind of decentralizing the infrastructure of these platforms whether they be the virtual blockchain-based virtual worlds or whether they're just NFT games. I really love that because with NFTs, we have now have digital property that we can truly own. And that's a huge, huge step up from, from what we had before, which is completely centralized digital assets, like, you know, Fortnite skins and whatnot. That's step one. And that's amazing. It's incredible. But you really need to go the final distance, which is the actual hosting and infrastructure of these platforms need to be totally decentralized because if they if the developers have power to shut off the platform or to, to do whatever they want with the with the game or the world, that's obviously a huge it's a huge risk because if you spent five ten thousand dollars on this game and suddenly they can turn off, that's a huge problem. So I, I really love how DCL is thinking five steps ahead and figuring out, hey, how do we decentralize our actual infrastructure? Right. Yeah. I mean, you just touched on a, a an issue that's happening in some of these. Uh, some of these other platforms, and I guess if you want to call them metaverse platforms, where there's centralized decisions being made that are affecting some of the first movers into the into the world itself, and some of the people who have invested a lot of their time and money into the projects are now being affected by centralized decisions. And I understand that right now Decentraland is still making a lot of these centralized decisions in terms of how to develop the platform towards decentralization, but they're still not really making decisions that are going to financially benefit them in the short run. I think they're still conscious in the fact of what their um, ethics are and what they're moving towards. And right now, I've said it before, uh, I'll reiterate it here, but they tell a very fine line, the Decentraland team does, because they need to push this project forward and do whatever they think is best right now without input from the community. And I'm totally okay with that. And as long as it's um, based on the functionality of the platform as, a t as opposed to the, um, the financial aspects. So if you don't move uh, quick enough, like they're not right now because they're doing things very slow and they're making sure that they, uh, they cross all their T's and dot all their I's on everything. You know, people are upset with the Decentraland team because they move too slowly on certain things. 
But the flip side of it is if they do move too fast on stuff and they're making very centralized decisions and they're really implementing all these things all over the place and they're not really taking into um, the taking the community's opinion into account, then the flip side is other people are going to be pissed at them because they're making these centralized decisions too fast and they're not um, living up to their standards of being something that's decentralized. So they tow a very fine line of uh, making sure the community is involved, but also making sure that they are developing the actual platform for the community in the future. So it, it's it's interesting and sometimes frustrating to see them balance that. I'm definitely not envious uh, to be in that position because it's you're, you you want to balance you know the community of course because that's like what got you this far, but also you want to innovate and you know innovation often you know will break some stuff sometimes or cause some changes that people don't like. So it's it's that balance of making people happy and moving fast and uh, trying not to, uh, you know, piss, piss a lot of people off. But yeah, it's a tough spot. You mentioned before about DCL Core, and I, I know that you're a part of DCL Core. Can you tell me what is DCL Core? Uh, yeah, so DCL Core is, right now, it's just a group of us that we're all very actively involved in, um, you know, putting out different events, uh, doing stuff for the community, because kind of just going off of what I just said about Decentraland is, you know, it's something that's run by the community, right? The team isn't really supposed to be here hosting every single event and organizing every single event and reaching out to this this company and that company to come on to Decentraland. So what Decentraland Core is, we just kind of took matters into our own hands. Uh, it was a group of, it's made up right now of six people. Um, a few of us have been around the longest in this project, uh, myself, um, Maddie, DCL Blogger, uh, Rio Rio of DCL Plazas, uh, Frankie Needles, who is doing a lot of stuff with the DCL Core um, radio. And I mean, he's really making his own radio station right now. He's, I think um, today he interviews Chief of Axie GG. And I think tomorrow he's got Matthew from Scent on there. So, and then we have the, um, the MetaZone guys as well, which MetaZone is right now filling a gap that is there from the, that has been made from the Decentraland team where they're not really facilitating any content from creator to creator. And what MetaZone has done is they've come in and they've given all of these developers a platform to uh, sell their products. And they've given users and landowners like myself that don't have uh, the talent to develop any of these things to go on there and buy these builds to put on our land. So what the MetaZone guys are doing, um, Will and Iman and Corv, they're really filling Decentraland through their content creations. Um, they're providing a service right now that is just totally lacking in a lot of the metaverse projects, including Decentraland, where they're incentivizing these developers to come out and produce stuff, even if they don't own land. Because right now, land in Decentraland is, you know, a single parcel is anywhere from $350 to, I don't know, $10,000 depending on the location and how much you want to pay for something. So it's for a lot of these very talented developers, they don't have the funds to purchase land. And what MetaZone is doing is giving them the platform to list their very creative builds on their website and then allowing buyers and landowners that don't have those skills to come in, purchase that stuff and deploy it to their land. I love that. You guys are taking a very like grassroots approach to you know, bootstrapping this community and getting more people in world and doing things, I think that's amazing. I think the MetaZone idea is so so cool. I think someone described it to me as like the app store for DCL, 
because you can kind of like buy pre-made things and plug it into your land. I think that's so amazing. Yeah, it, and I mean, the team themselves is fantastic. So I bought a couple of their games, oh man, a week or so before Decentraland launched um, in February. And I was one of the first people to buy their their stuff and put it on my land. And for me, it was fantastic. I mean, I found this stuff, uh, I found their projects, and then the developer of all these things, Corv, who is the um, the man behind the curtain pumping out a lot of this content for them. He DM'd with me for like three hours straight from probably 11 p.m. to two o'clock in the morning and just answered every single question I had. And when I see them interact with the people who are uh, uploading the stuff to their site and also buying stuff from their site, when I see how transparent they, they are and they were at the time when I decided to buy in, uh, it was pretty easy for me to decide to get on board. I mean, they're guys who are really out here for the betterment of DCO. And I mean, in turn, they're they're monetizing the stuff that they're doing. But uh, really, their core principles are let's fill up this land. Let's fill up all the empty spaces in, in Decentraland. But calling it the app store of, uh, of DCL is fantastic. I think that's a great comparison. I really wonder if there's going to be a massive app stores for these blockchain-based virtual worlds because sometimes you need certain skill sets to build stuff or sometimes you just don't have the time to build stuff and if there was kind of a universal decentralized app store that'd be really cool in order for people to create content for all these different worlds and create different little games and little scripts and stuff like that so people could populate all these worlds with all this different stuff but yeah that's a really interesting uh, idea and i i just love what metazone's doing it's crazy how much um traction they've gained in the last let's say month and a half um it's really cool to see the snowball effect of one person builds something that's really cool and puts it on metazone and they sell five of their items and you know make like let's say fifteen thousand mana off of it um and then it's really cool to see other developers take note of that. You're like, wait a second, 15,000 mana. I got these builds already in my uh, in my workbook and my Blender stuff saved. I might as well upload something and see what I can make. And and then you know that in turn helps someone that doesn't have those skills put something on their land. So now we have less empty land in in decentral land, which has been a big critique of new users they drop in and there's nothing there and they say well this land isn't filled this and that it's like people have to realize how big decentraland is the the perimeter of the actual atlas i believe is something like 20 kilometers there's 23 million square meters or just about of space inside of decentraland and that's not even considering uh vertical builds that's just um, the length and width of things is 23 million square meters. Like that's going to take more than two months to fill up. I don't care what you say, what project you're coming from, that's going to take time to fill up. And I'd rather take the time to fill it up with stuff that actually has a use case than just plopping down something that just looks like a piece of crap. So when new users do come in, there's just crappy builds all over. But to say that there's nothing in Decentraland right now is just, it's false. You just have to go to the right places. I mean, you can wander for... 20 minutes and not bump into anything just because of how big it is. I think it took me, the one time I tried it, it took me an hour and 15 minutes to walk from one side of the map to the complete opposite side of the map. Wow. I mean, it's 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 huge. So you just have to know the right places to go to. There's a website called DCL Plazas that's run by Rio. 
um, that has little dots of build attractions all around the map and you can see if it's a business, if it's a game, if it's an advertisement, uh, and you can drop right into it. So you more so just have to know where to go right now. I encourage everyone to follow the Decentraland events page. So that also ensures that you're gonna meet up with people in world. Just again, it's so big that if there's only 80 people online at, at a time, odds are you're not gonna run into anyone. So um, I think it's just understanding that uh, it's gonna take time to build up and MetaZone is really helping that process along the way. All right, so what is your kind of grand vision for Decentraland? Like I'm talking, you know, five, 10 years or whatever. Yeah, what is your just massive grand vision for DCL? I just really think that it's um, it's somewhere where people come to build relationships rather than monetize off things. I think the uh, monetization factor right now is phenomenal and it's drawing a lot of people in, but what Decentraland is gonna need and what they're gonna need to succeed long-term is these uh, relationships and friendships being built with different users. I hope that Decentraland becomes something where I don't have to leave the world to do something. I don't have to drop into Decentraland to play this game, but then if I want to watch Netflix, I have to leave Decentraland and then play Netflix on my computer or my TV. I hope that there is a place in Decentraland that is streaming television shows and I can go and pick what shows I want. I hope that there's uh, places like little clubs and live music and live concerts where I can go to. I really hope that it's something where it's like a, a very um, inner city feel of you go to the movies, you leave the movies. Okay, let's go grab a bite to eat. All right, we're done eating. Let's go to this comedy club or let's go grab a drink at this bar. I hope that there's different use cases for it within world and it's not just a bunch of people who have built stuff in the hopes of making money. I know that there's going to be money to be made in it, and obviously that's going to be what draws people to the space. But what Decentraland is going to need to succeed is people forming friendships and relationships within the world. I love that. It's like come for the money, stay for the friends type of thing. But uh, it's actually crazy that you mentioned that because when I first started getting involved in non-fungible tokens, there's just this inherent social aspect to all this stuff. And whether that's through Discord or whether that's through like the blockchain-based virtual worlds or, or whatnot, you're oftentimes dealing with individuals, unlike traditional crypto, where you're dealing with like an order book and you, you don't see the person who you're selling to or the person that you're buying from. But with this, there's a lot of communication, a lot of politics, a lot of like, you know, social interaction. And I think that um, it makes it that much more sticky. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You can actually meet great people here and become good friends with people all in uh, like all online, which I never thought going into this that would happen. So it's really cool you touch upon that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's what keeps me coming back. Like, obviously, there's potential for me to make money if I sell my land or if I sell my wearables. But at the end of the day, I log on uh, multiple times throughout the day and every day of the week to chat with Maddie and Frankie and the MetaZone guys and Clark Kent and um, Open NFT and all these dudes who are doing stuff in the world. Red Nitrous. Uh, I could go on and on forever, but... At the end of the day, that's what gets me to log in. I'm not going to make money off this stuff every single day. I'm logging in to talk to these people who right now, given the uh, current environment of our world, I'm talking to them more than I'm talking to a lot of my best friends and my closest, my closest family members on a daily basis just because of Discord, just because of Decentraland. Hey, drop in, check out what I built. Hey, let's go over here and check out what so-and-so built. Are you going to this concert later? Are you going to go do this? Let's go play this MetaZone game. So that's what keeps me coming back every day. Like I said, you're not going to make money on this stuff every single day. So what else is going to bring you back? And it's going to be the friendships. Love that. 
All right, so I guess this translates kind of into my next question, but what does the metaverse mean to you? First and foremost, I think the term metaverse is used kind of loosely right now where we're describing something with the term metaverse where we don't really know what it is in its current stage. Obviously, we're all hoping that these projects like Decentraland and CryptoVoxels and Somnium Space and Sandbox uh, all move towards something that resembles what we've seen in some of these sci-fi movies. But I think what it means to me is, is, you know, just a place where I can come and experience everything and talk to anyone that I would in the real world, but do it online. I know everyone has their own idea of what it should look like or if it's already here or when it should be here. But I think it just needs to be a place where I can choose to do all the things in real life or choose to do all the things that I would in real life, and I could instead do them inside of one of these virtual platforms, if not all of them. Uh, I think it's a, a very real possibility that, um, like I said, I think that this is the next form of social media. Uh, I think it's a very real possibility that all of these different platforms kind of serve their own purpose. We see stuff like Facebook and, and Instagram and LinkedIn and Snapchat, all of these different ways of communication right now but there's no real feel of, um, of being able to reach out and grab something or being able to really like tap into someone's mind, which I think that these platforms allow you to do via chat and seeing what people are building and stuff like that. I think that there's a very real possibility that something like CryptoVoxels becomes the Instagram of the metaverse world and something like Decentraland is the Facebook and LinkedIn. I think all of these things, these platforms are going to have their own use case and their own groups of people who are attracted to them. But I think collectively, that's what the metaverse is going to be. It's not going to be one of these projects. It's going to be a collection of all of them. I love that. All right. So are NFTs important to the metaverse or, or do you actually need NFTs for a metaverse to even happen? Well, right now we do. There's different um, forms of NFTs, I guess, maybe not by definition, but in the way that we use them. Uh, if you look at something like Decentraland or CryptoVoxels, um, you know, the, a parcel of land is the NFT. So, you know, we need that stuff to function. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe like these wearables and stuff like that aren't a necessity right now, but they're definitely uh, a driving point of onboarding new users. Uh, so I would say that, I guess, in a sense, we, we need NFTs to evolve, but hopefully at the end point, we really don't necessarily need to keep producing more NFTs, but they're just kind of a nice add on and a, a nice boost to certain marketplaces and, and gives people, you know, a, a different, uh, a different lane or a different, um, way to invest in this stuff. But in its current state, I think that necessity or um, NFTs are a necessity to all of these different platforms. All right, so switching gears here a little bit, I want to ask you about your YouTube channel. I know that you recently launched a YouTube channel, and I love to hear, I don't know, your reasoning behind that and what you kind of cover in that channel. And, and also, what is the channel name? Um, so my, the channel name, I guess, is just um, DCL Anorak. I, I don't even know if I've officially named it anything. I have never done anything YouTube related or video streaming related. So it's all so new to me. The reason I decided to create it is as active as I am on Discord and Twitter and reaching out to new users and companies and stuff, I kept getting the same questions over and over and over and over again. And so what I decided to do was 
just make uh, these YouTube videos where if someone asks me these questions, I can just copy paste the URL instead of typing up 10 minutes worth of a response. So right now, all of the videos are just very basic how-to stuff within Decentraland. Um, I hope to branch it out to different NFT projects. I'd like to stay within NFT projects because I feel like that's where my expertise lies. But right now, it's just you know how to make sure you're buying the right parcel of land within Decentraland. Um, what do I think that the wearables market holds in the future? You know, obviously none of it is licensed financial advice and it's just my own personal opinions, but it's just a way for me to fairly educate new users and keep them from going to the wrong people who are just gonna shill them their own piece of land uh, in hopes of making a uh, short-term profit. So it's just a way for me to uh, help onboard new users while also uh, saving a lot of my time and saving myself from arthritis by typing five paragraphs every response. You know, I, I, I definitely can see that. And, and I think that's a really great idea because you do see the same questions repeated, which is totally fine, but it kind of starts to, you know, Get a little bit repetitive so making a video is a great idea because you can just send them the link and then they can watch it and then it's done so i love how you're focusing on the core basics instead of going like super deep into like i don't know more uh, esoteric stuff but i love that all right let's jump into the closing questions what is your single favorite nft that you own well i don't own my first piece of land from decentraland that i bought i, I sold that a while back but i have a uh, I still have a few parcels. I think my favorite NFT is either the parcel of land that I hosted my first event on during Decentraland's opening weekend. It was really like my coming out party to the community and it was the first event I hosted and I had something like uh, 50 users come out and play these MetaZone games on my land and it really helped me make a lot of connections within the community. It's either it's either that or the first Axie I've owned that I owned and, and bred. I think the the Axie might be more near and dear to my heart than any Decentraland that I that I own or any land within Decentraland that I own. I think it's more more Axie uh, related. You know, it's it, they're like your little pets. You know, it's it's like this this little pet that you go to battle with every single day and. You know, you're getting all excited uh, based off the competition and stuff between the different users. And, you know, I've had a lot of a lot of ups and downs with that Axie. So I think I'm going to have to go uh, with my first Axie being my favorite NFT that I own. Yeah, it's tough to beat the cuteness of an Axie versus, yeah, like, yeah. versus like the just a like square piece of land. All right. What is something that you'd like to see happen or something that you think needs to happen to the NFT ecosystem? I guess what I'd like to see happen is... Some of these NFTs having uh, more of a use case behind them. There's a lot of people out there that are just kind of like minting NFTs in hopes of monetizing them, and they really don't hold any intrinsic value. Even though they are classified as an NFT, it's kind of the same as all of these altcoins where it's like, all right, like, yeah, this altcoin is out here and people are buying it, but what are you really turning around and using it for? Uh, I understand that NFTs like art and stuff like that um, they have their own use case, but there's a lot of NFTs out there that uh, people are minting and just kind of shilling and giving away um, that really don't have any value to them. They're just kind of out there. So I hope that uh, more companies, more projects start coming out and creating NFTs that can be both traded and, and bought and sold and they serve a purpose in the marketplace, but they also serve a purpose for whatever game that they're being used for. All right. 
What are the main barriers to adoption in the NFT space? I think one of the main ones we see right now is MetaMask, right? I think a lot of people talk about MetaMask being a, a very big uh, roadblock to a lot of these projects. CryptoVoxels is great in the fact that I can log in on my phone to any coordinates and I don't need a MetaMask. Uh, I'm going to appear as a guest or whatever the random name is they give me, but I don't need a MetaMask. Um, I think the the issue is getting people to understand how to use a, a wallet and how to download all of the software to begin buying and selling the NFTs. I think that right now is the biggest roadblock to the adoption, just like any of the cryptocurrency stuff. You tell someone to go on Coinbase and download Coinbase, and immediately they're overwhelmed by everything. You know, there's like 30 different coins listed there. They're all different prices. There's these charts all over the place. And the first step is just getting people comfortable with the... Um, with the technology that we use to buy and sell these NFTs. And I think once people can understand how to do that, then we're, we'll start, start to see a lot of people coming on board with stuff. And a lot of these different video game projects um, for Xbox and PlayStation and things of that matter, maybe start adopting the NFT model as well. All right. Will there be a viral event that causes mainstream adoption of NFTs or will it just be kind of a more gradual grind of adoption? Um, I mean, you could say we're living it right now with the COVID. I know I've touched on that numerous times, but I think the NFT stuff is going to be a little bit more of a grind. I think it's going to take some of these games to start adopting the NFT model more. And you look at Fortnite and Fortnite makes a ton of money off of their skins and stuff. And why the hell would they migrate to NFTs when they're a centralized, uh, a centralized entity? that is monetizing off all this stuff and no one can withdraw any of the money that they're putting into it. So until we start to see gamers and users kind of cry out and ask for the NFT model, I don't think that we're gonna really see any mass adoption to it. It's gonna take a really long time for people to uh, both understand what they are and also see the value in them. Uh, I think it's gonna be more of a slow adoption. Hopefully the more people move into crypto, they'll start to move into the nft space and you know users like whale shark are doing the nft space a huge service so we just need to see uh, more people really take interest in it i guess more influential people take interest in the nft space but i think it's going to be a slower grind than one big mass adoption all right last question where do you see the world of nfts in three years i think nft adoption kind of moves with cryptocurrency adoption right I think in three years, either this stuff is all going to be absolutely massive or it's going to be somewhat dead. I think Pompliano said it best on one of the interviews I saw with him that, you know, we're living in the time right now that Bitcoin and crypto and NFTs were made for in the sense that, you know, with mass inflation and manipulation of markets and people's assets depreciating right before their eyes, if this stuff doesn't take off within the next 18 to 24 months, I'm not sure it ever will. I understand NFTs have a uh, have a different use case to them with gaming and stuff like that, but it's still you know kind of modeled around this cryptocurrencies cryptocurrency model in, in the sense of owning your own stuff and a central entity can't manipulate anything. So um, I think if if this stuff really doesn't take hold and move forward in a positive manner within the next two years. I don't know if it ever will. Awesome. Well, Anorak, I've absolutely loved speaking with you today. It's been awesome getting to dive deep into DCL with you and getting to know the ins and outs of that platform. 
And also, I really love your focus on like core fundamental pieces of human nature, like the sociability aspect of NFTs. I thought that that was amazing. But if people wanted to find out more about you or get in contact with you or you know watch your YouTube channel, where should they go and what should they do? Uh, all you have to do is go to my Twitter page and you can see all of the uh, information there for YouTube and email and all that stuff, uh, Discord as well. Uh, you can find me at DCL Anorak on Twitter. That's pretty much my username throughout every single uh, social media platform that I use. It's either Anorak or DCL Anorak. Um, so you can search me on YouTube or Twitter, anywhere DCL Anorak is probably going to pop up. So I guess just go to my Twitter and you can find all that information right there. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining and you're going to have to come back on again in a few months and give me an update. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me on here. It was great to come talk uh, Decentraland and, and NFTs with you. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.